names all game. Today is Tuesday, September 24th. My name is Chris, joined by my co-host Pat. We are back after a bye week. We are excited. We are pumped. We got Friday Night Lights. Pat, how you feeling? I mean, I'm just excited to have something to do on college football again. <laughs> yeah, what did, uh, what did your Saturday look like with our bye so early in the season? Uh, I, I just worked all day. Okay, all right. At least yeah, you had so something. Uh, something I was preoccupied at least. Yeah, there were a couple of good games. I watched uh, watched the Wisconsin Michigan game. Watched some of the other games, but uh, not a ton of change for me. I pretty much sat on my couch and watched football all day. So, yeah, I think it's just I think typically, and I didn't research this, but I think typically the buys are like later in the season. So after week three, it just felt weird not to have a game. Really, I feel like we always have an early one. Maybe someone look that up and let us know. But here nor there, we are back. I feel like we usually usually either start a week late, like have a bye week week one, and then have one later, okay. or we have one kind of early, and, and so it doesn't seem like we have a bye. Interesting. I'll have to look that up. Uh, but either way, we are back. Uh, we have Maryland coming up this week, like I said, Friday Night Lights, uh, which is kind of weird, but this is something the Big Ten uh, implemented a couple of years ago that some teams do Friday Night Games. Um you know, we have committed to not doing them at home, not yet at least, but uh, we can't control what our road opponents schedule. So uh, we are at the mercy of them. We'll be there Friday night in Maryland. Uh, they're doing a blackout, which I guess is their version of the whiteout, trying to blackout the stadium. It should be a good atmosphere. Um, I think so, at least. So I remember one time we tried to do that in high school for one of our basketball games, and there was a big uproar that it might be racist. So oh, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that... Uh, that hasn't permeated into college football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I think uh, there there will definitely be a, a section of Penn Staters. Penn State, whoever's traveling, they're saying wear white. So if you're going to the game, wear white. So it should be a, a pretty cool visual. If they do it well, if the whole stadium is black, and then you have maybe that small section of white for Penn State, that could look yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, because blue blends into black too easily. Exactly. You, know? you wear exactly. white, will stand out. Yep, definitely. All right, so uh, this is our preview episode for anyone who's new to the show. Uh, we'll start out with some quick hitters, news around the Penn State world. Uh, we'll do a Maryland snapshot, kind of how they're looking. We'll talk about Penn State. We'll look through our keys to victory, some predictions, uh, and really just kind of shoot the shit about the game here. So let's start with some quick hitters. Uh, first one, truly a, a hit. Saquon Barkley, hurt, uh, high ankle sprain. Just you hate to see it. Uh, they say four to eight weeks recovery time, and um, yeah, it sucks. Hey, there's not a lot to say on that one, but it, it sucks. I'm devastated. Yeah, it's it sucks. Is like, I mean, obviously everyone everyone talks about the fantasy implications and how it kills their fantasy team, and yeah, it does. I mean, I drafted him first in two different leagues, uh, but it just sucks for for him as a person too, right? Coming off a of rookie of the year, this is his second year. Giants finally make the switch to Daniel Jones, who, I mean, he looked good. It's one game, so like. Giants fans, I, I know you're excited, but it's one game, uh, but definitely an upgrade over Eli Manning. So, like, I think it would have been really cool to see the two of them in that offense and how that how that works. Um, but we got to wait a couple weeks. So, Saquon, uh, prayers out to you, man. Hope you have a quick and speedy recovery. Uh, some other Saquon news from Matt Miller of uh, Bleacher Report put out an article today, I believe, uh, ranking his top 10 prospects of the decade. Um, so this is prospects. This is not how they turned out. Uh, this is not, and this is prospects from college going into the NFL. So not like how they are as current players, not their college career, but like how they were as an NFL prospect. Do you know where Saquon Barkley came in at? Um, I mean, I saw yeah, what you wrote. Don't tell the so listeners yes. that, damn it. Uh, you could have. Like where he is in my heart. He's number one in my heart. <laughs> All right. Matt Miller 
has him ranked number three of the entire decade, which is pretty damn cool. Um, I mean, I think, you know, the only two that he had ahead of him was Von Miller and Andrew Luck, which I'm okay with, honestly. I, yeah. I don't have qualms about that. You got a pass rusher and a quarterback. I think for a running back to be that high on the list in general is pretty impressive. In today's game, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I mean, he described it. You know, he's a perfect running back prospect coming out of college. You know, there's nothing not to like. Um, so for all of those clowns who who get into it with me on Twitter about he was drafted too high, shut your mouth. Uh, he was drafted <laughs> appropriately. Actually, no, he slipped. He should have went number one. So Browns yeah. are idiots. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, next up, Mark Allen. Former running back for Penn State had a huge day at Duquesne. Uh, you remember he was one of our transfers this year. Uh, we talked about possibly doing like a full transfer portal rundown. It hasn't been it hasn't been that much every week to talk about. So we'll we'll give you guys the shout outs for people that that have uh, good performances. So Mark Allen had 201 scrimmage yards, 168 of those were rushing, two touchdowns, and he was the Northeastern Conference Player of the Week. Yeah, I mean that's pretty great. Good on you, brother. Yeah, I love it. It's cool to see our guys, you know, go and succeed elsewhere. It sucks that they left, but obviously we wish them the best of luck. Uh, Tommy Stevens was out again this week. I think he's dealing with some sort of injury. Juwan Johnson still has not played for Oregon that I've seen. I know he had an injury kind of nagging. Um, He definitely hasn't shown up on the stat sheet, so I don't think he's active. Uh, Some of the other guys are are mostly at at smaller schools. Uh, Next thing, this is going to be a shout-out to anyone involved in Thon. Uh, Penn State on Big Ten Network posted a video the other day. Uh, Tucker Haas, who is a Thon celebrity. Legend. Legend. First ballot Hall of Famer. Like, this kid yeah. is the man. He's First a, team all Thon. He's a freshman at Penn State right now. That makes me feel so old. Like, yeah. And I, I, like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of, like, oh, my God, I feel so old because of certain things happening. Like, yeah, time goes on. But, man, it feels like yesterday that I was – dancing in Thon, you were dancing in Thon, and like we met him as a kid. It's crazy to me. Um, so Tucker is doing well. He's a freshman at Penn State now. I uh, had a nice little feature on him. Check it out if you get a chance. But uh, yeah, big shout out to Tucker. Tucker, if you ever want to do an interview, man, welcome to come on the podcast anytime you want. Hell yeah, Tucker Haas. Legend, man. Boom, boom, pow. That performance was just, it was incredible. He was a, He's electric. He is, he is. Most electrifying out. man in all of Thon. Seriously, I, I don't think that's an understatement. I really don't. Uh, all right, a couple more quick hitters before we get into this week's game. Uh, Coach James Franklin, the rumors to USC are starting to swirl again. We talked about this a lot last year. What's your, what's your gut reaction on James Franklin to USC? Not even just this year, but in the next maybe two years, call it. I just can't imagine why he would. Like, USC seems to be a program in turmoil. Uh, they're constantly dealing with some kind of, like, always, like, some kind of issues with recruiting or something. Uh, they're on the downside. The Pac-12 in general, I think, is on the downside. Um, and just, I, I don't know. He's already at, like, a marquee program. I think he gets – I can't imagine him getting paid, like, way better at USC. Um I just I don't see it. Yeah, I agree. And and there are some people on on Twitter that strongly believe this. Um, and he's listed like there are odds out now. If you look at some of the gambling sites, there are odds of like favorite to be USC's next head coach. Uh, Urban Meyer is far and away number one. Um, <laughs> it's funny he was there uh, calling the game this weekend, and uh, he said something like, "Yeah, you know, this is just one of those programs where uh, you know you you just know you can win. Not a lot of programs like that in the country." It's like, yeah, dude, we get it. Um, 
Urban Meyer, I think, will be the next head coach. Like Clay Clay Helton, that's his name, right? Clay Helton. Um, he'll be out after this year. They had a nice they had a nice upset over Utah. That was pretty cool. But I, I just I don't see them keeping him. You know, they got rid of their AD or the AD stepped down. So it'll be an open spot, and I get it. It, it is a storied program. It's in an excellent recruiting location, right? You and I both live in LA. Like, if you're a high school kid trying to commit to college, not a bad place to be, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, and California in general has got monster football talent. Exactly. So, like, I, I get that aspect of it, but like you said, when you compare to his current situation, take maybe this year out of it, he's experienced some really good recruiting classes and has done really well for himself. He's built up a program that went through a lot of shit and has gotten it to a place where... We feel like we're very competitive every year. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, the Big Ten East is arguably the best conference in college football right now. Like you look That's at the division. Big, division, sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, you look at, obviously, the SEC, um, but why would you leave this current situation? I, I don't get it. I'm with you. I don't think there's any truth to the rumor. Um, but I guess time will tell. Yeah, I just, I doubt it. <laughs> uh, so speaking of commits and recruiting, uh, we did have one more decommitment since our last recording. RJ Adams, offensive lineman, has reopened his commitment. Um, this sucks, but kind of saw it coming. Uh, he has, he has, he's a guy, I think he's still currently a three-star, but since he has committed to Penn State, has started to blow up. Um, he has offers now from Alabama, LSU, Oregon, Kentucky, like a lot of, a lot of big name schools. Um, and yeah, this doesn't really surprise me. Like we've talked, we talked recently about how, you know, we haven't recruited O-line the best we've had, we've had flashes here and there, but we haven't had the best recruits. And, uh, you remember, what was it? A couple months ago, we lost another O-line, uh, candidate, uh, Aaron Parks, AJ Parks. So this sucks, but, um, not super surprising for me. Yeah, I mean, he just opened, reopened his recruitment. Do you know what the chances are that he sticks with us? Uh, I feel better about him coming back than others, um, just because it, it was weird. Like, he didn't even post anything immediately. Um, and he, he was on campus not too long ago. I forget when, uh, what game it was, but he was on campus. I think he has a good relationship. Uh, if you remember the two that decommitted a while back, it was A.J. Parks and uh, Josh Moten, I think. And, and that was the whole swirl about, like, well, Coach Franklin doesn't let them visit anywhere else. And it kind of felt like there was some, like, bad blood there. Like, I never thought we were getting either one of those back. Uh, and we didn't. The one kid went to the safety, went to Texas A&M. And the offensive lineman just committed to Oklahoma, I believe, or is about to commit to Oklahoma. Um, this one, I feel better. Like, I, I'm, I'm not counting on it, but it would, I would give it better odds than any of the others who have left. Okay. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, but that does suck because those two, uh, Aaron Parks and RJ Adams, they were our two highest ranked offensive linemen in this class. So we still have some others, but we lost some top talent. Uh, moving on, AP poll. Uh, we are up to number 12. So obviously on a bye week, we can't do anything to hurt our stock. Uh, a couple teams above us lose. Uh, Notre Dame goes down to Georgia. Michigan loses to Wisconsin. And Utah loses to USC. Moves us up one spot. That's it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't expect Notre Dame to drop down past us after playing Mich uh, Georgia super tight. Um, but then the other two make sense that they drop. Yeah, I mean, Michigan yeah. just looks like trash, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Utah getting beat by an unranked USC. 
makes sense that those teams yeah. tumble. Um, you know, and this will be a good chance for us this week and going forward to start really and showing. And it makes sense that Wisconsin moves above us. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin looked. Wisconsin looks like the real deal in general, man. I'm happy we don't play yeah. them in the regular season this year. Like the only chance we'll see them is if we get to the Big Ten title game. Um, they look like the real deal. So I'm sure we'll get to them in our Big Ten Baller of the Week. Uh, last quick hitter, uh, one depth chart note to the depth chart for this week came out. Journey Brown, still atop the running back uh, rotation. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit later. They are still all designated by an or, which means they're going to use all four of them. But Journey is still at the top. Uh, and then Brandon Smith um, moves from the third string at the Will linebacker to second string at the Sam linebacker. Your My boy. Guy. Yeah. We're going to be seeing this kid. I'm telling you, he's going to be getting some playing time as the season progresses. Yeah, I think I think the change in position makes a lot of sense um, because when he was at the will, he was behind Micah and Jesse, and he was the third, which I just I didn't see how that would stack up. Yeah, moving him over to the Sam to be you know right behind Cam Brown that makes a lot more sense to get him in rotationally when Cam Brown needs a break or you know when we're ahead, it makes a lot more sense. So I think this definitely helps your prediction come true a little bit. All right, so let's jump into Big Ten Baller and Bozo of the Week. We normally do this on a recap episode, but obviously we didn't have a recap episode this week. Um, but I still wanted to talk through it. There were some good performances and some Bozo moves. So uh, do you have a Big Ten Baller of the Week? Uh, I mean, I've done this guy before. But I'm going with Jonathan Taylor again. It's so That's hard not to. 203 yards against Michigan. Uh, you know, supposed to be a premier program, premier defense, defensive-minded head coach in Jim Harbaugh. And he, I mean, a hundred yards a half. Like, it's insane. that's insane. Come on. Yeah, he had, so he had 203 yards on 23 carries with two touchdowns. And 10 and yards a carry. He, oh, my God. And even more impressive, he missed a good chunk of this game. He was yeah. out in the, tent, in the injury tent for a while. I think they might have even taken him back to the locker room. I'll have to look up. I don't remember how much he missed, but 203 touchdowns or 203. <laughs> he, he might be on pace for 203 touchdowns. 203 yards with two touchdowns while missing, I mean, call it, you know, half a quarter, a full quarter, whatever yeah. it was. It's fucking impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty unreal. Yeah, uh, so I had him written down, of course, too, but it, it, it sucks giving it to the same guys. So I'm going to give an honorable mention to Justin Fields because I'm sick of talking about him. Um, but the kid's just incredible. He's playing the part. Uh, 14 of 21 for 223 yards, four touchdowns through the air added another two touchdowns on the ground, and he plays like half the game. Like, they don't even keep him in the whole time because they're just so damn good. Uh, so, Justin Fields, you're not the Big Ten baller, but I'll give you an honorable mention. Uh, mine's going to go to Adrian Martinez, quarterback, Nebraska. Uh, I almost okay. didn't give it to him because he lost two fumbles in the game. But other than that, he looked pretty good. Uh, he was 22 of 34 for 327 yards, three touchdowns. Also added 18 carries for 118 on the ground. Uh, and led them to a fourth-quarter comeback. Now, can you be a baller when you're leading your overhyped Nebraska to a fourth-quarter comeback over Illinois? It's up for debate, <laughs> but I didn't feel like giving it to Justin Fields again. So Adrian yeah, Martinez. At the end of the day, it's not his fault that his defense led 38 points to, to Illinois. Exactly, exactly. So Adrian Martinez, you are my baller of the week. Um, every week I, I look for like a defensive guy to give it to because I think I think we've been pretty strictly offense, but – it's hard, man. The stats don't jump out. Like, unless you're watching these games in detail, yeah, it, it's hard. Not. So I'll try to pay attention maybe next week. Um, all right, Big Ten Bozo of the Week. Who's your Bozo? I'm, I'm going with Shea Patterson's brother. 
Shea Patterson's brother. Why his brother? Yes. So he went on a Twitter tirade after the game after Shea got taken out. Oh, no. Uh, and first of all, like, I, I'll, I'll read the tweet first. Okay. What a joke. You let this guy call plays, Josh Gaddis, and he's never done it before. What a joke. He's hot garbage. Absolutely terrible. And you continue to just let Harbaugh run Michigan as head coach as he played there and was so absolutely average as a player. <laughs> it's unbelievable and ridiculous. You, play, you pay this motherfucker $10 million to be absolute average. Highway robbery. He's hot fucking garbage. Regardless of who is at QB and who you want to keep the heat on starting the quarterback, that's fine. When it appears that a defense has absolutely fucking given up, make, uh, make the spin you want. My bro is a baller and will be a G in the NFL. Can't fucking wait. Now, first of all, he's a bozo because there's some pretty bad takes in there. Yeah, um, yeah. Including, like... I mean, also, horrible position to put your brother in. Like, I don't know what Shea Patterson's, uh, where his mind is at right now. You know, just basically got demoted from starting quarterback only to go back in because Dylan McCaffrey got hurt. Yeah. Uh, and that's a tough thing to do, but it seemed like he took it in stride. And then, like, your brother comes out and puts all this heat on you, like, very publicly. There's no way that goes over well in the locker room, goes over well with your coach, especially, like, Jim Harbaugh seems like a pretty sensitive guy. Yeah. Uh, not a position you want to be in. Not to mention, you're a bozo for saying that Shea Patterson's going to be a G in the NFL. Because he's not. <laughs> not going to happen. I'm not even sure he's going to be in the NFL, not, let alone be a, a G in the NFL. Yeah, not with the way he's playing right now. Man, oh. is, is this tweet still up? Or did you, like, screenshot it? I don't know if he deleted it. I found it on, like, a, I just Googled okay. it. Yeah, I was, was going like, to say, I hope, I hope he deleted Because if I'm Shea Patterson, I'm texting my brother, like, dude, take that down right now. What are you thinking? Like, I, I get it. You want to have your brother's back, and you appreciate that. But, man, I mean, you got to know how to play the game. Like, the game of social media and the game of, like, don't do that, you know? Damn. Okay, Shea Patterson. Does he have a, a name, or are we just going to call him Shea Patterson's brother? I kind of um, like just Shea Patterson's brother. Yeah, I don't, I don't know his real name. <laughs> All right. Well, Shea Patterson's Sean. brother, you Sean are Patterson. a bozo. Oh, that's terrible. Um, okay, I'm going to keep it going on uh, bad Twitter takes. This isn't my official bozo, but it just ties into what you were talking about. So I tweeted this out on our account. Um, if you haven't seen it or if you don't follow us, check us out at No Names All Game. Um, but I tweeted, like, I've been fairly negative lately because uh, I got into a lot of it with the whole people being excited that Pitt won and how that makes us so much better. I'm not going to get into that right now. I'm over my negativity. I'm positive vibes only. But this dude on Twitter takes the negativity to a whole nother level. So his, uh, his Twitter handle is at MichiganNation2, and his name is whatever. So clearly has a lot to say. He's got 6,300 followers, so clearly he's built something up. Um, he wrote out, and I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's two full screenshots. Like it's the notes oh, app boy. and two full screenshots. Um, but he says that Wisconsin loss was tough. It came out of nowhere. You, you, you've used your mulligan in week three, blah, 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 blah. You have two options. Option one, give up. Go ahead and give up. Point direction. Point fingers every direction. Don't own up to being lazy. Uh, your draft stock drops. You don't have an option to come back. You're a loser. Like goes on and on and on and on. And then goes option two, get your act together and tells, tells players how to win. First of all, just a dumb, a dumb thing in general. But what makes this awful is he tags all of the Michigan players. 
like at Shea Patterson, at Donovan Peoples Jones, at Cesar Ruiz. Like, what are you doing, man? Yeah, it's a loser fucking move. It's really bad. Like, listen, we we again have talked about like there are gonna be some times we're gonna vent out our frustrations. We're gonna talk like as friends on this podcast at the bar, drunk with your boys. Like, you're gonna say some things like, "Oh, guy should have caught that ball," or "Oh, O line should have blocked," but never in our right minds when we actually say to the players out in the field that we know better than they do. That's just insane. I don't get it. Uh, yeah, I mean. That's such a fucking Michigan guy so thing to do. It is, right? Because then, then it's like, he says, like, go blue at the end. I'm like, clearly not, man. Like, you're, you're miserable. Move on. Um, so he, I'm going to tie him in with your bozo. So Twitter, Michigan Twitter, you guys are bozos. Um, but my bozo of the week is the Rutgers offensive lineman who punched his quarterback in the face. You saw this clip, I'm assuming. Oh, I saw it. This thing... This thing went mega viral. I mean, I Rutgers is not accustomed to scoring a whole lot. Uh, so they score. The offensive lineman picks the Rutgers quarterback up like victory. And as soon as he comes down, just throws a right jab right to the helmet. Like, it's not a little, like, friendly slap, like, hey, good job. It's a full-on right jab. I mean, he didn't, like, hurt him or take him out of the game or anything. No, but it's just really funny, man. Like, you could have hurt him. It was pretty bad. Listen, that's how we do it in Jersey. Good for you. I'm going to hit you in the face now. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So the or- it's been all season, pal. Let's go. <laughs> the original video that the guy, and this is, like, a Rutgers beat writer who tweeted it out, has 3.6 million views. Um, I haven't seen if like this kid issued a statement, not a statement, but I hope like if I was that lineman, I would have tweeted out something funny, like, Oh, it's all love or got your back quarterback, something like that. But yeah, man, you're a bozo. That was funny. Like this is, this is maybe the first time in no names, all game history that the big 10 bozo award has gone to something that has truly given me joy. Like you're a bozo, but it was funny, man. So thank you. I don't know your name, but thank you to the Rutgers offensive lineman who punched his quarterback in the face. All right, uh, so that's the Big Ten Awards of the week. Let's move into this game. So uh, obviously we have a whole bunch of stats and different things to go through, but let's just start high level. What's your uh, what's your feeling on this game? Because we talked a while back how it could be a trap game. Maryland looked really good to open the season. Where are you feeling right now, Tuesday night, 6.56 p.m. Pacific Standard Time? I mean, I feel like we're going to win at the end of the day. I really do. Um I'm nervous because I we just, I didn't think we played that well against Pitt. Uh, unlike you, the fact that Pitt won this week does make me feel better. It doesn't make me feel like, you know, I I, I don't think it makes us a better team. Yeah. But I think I think perhaps Pitt is better than we thought, especially when you consider all their losses are to ranked opponents. Yeah. Um. So I feel I'm nervous because the the thing that gets me is Maryland has a good pass rush. Yeah. And we still have yet to run the ball effectively. Uh, so that's not going to, as far as I can tell, that's not going to take a lot of pressure off Sean Clifford. I think people are going to be stacking the box. Um, I'm nervous, but I think we'll win. Yeah, I kind of, I feel good about this. Game. Maryland had a bye last week too, right? They did, yeah. So both teams are coming off a bye. Um yeah, I, I feel good about this game, and I I don't like that I feel good about this game, but I do. Uh, we talked a couple weeks ago, you know, they came out, they beat up on Howard 79-0, then they beat a ranked Syracuse team, I think it was, what, 63-20, to something like that. 
yeah. they looked really good to start the season, and then they lost to Temple. So we're like, all right, maybe they're not as good as we thought they were. Maybe they just had one bad game. Um, so everyone was talking about how this is a weird game, right? It's Friday night. It's at Maryland. They look like a new team. This is a trap game. I don't know, man. I just, I feel good at this point. Um, we'll get to the game. I, like, I don't think Syracuse is that good. No, and that's yeah, that's the thing too. So this is like to, to, they got fucking to, demolished by Clemson. Yeah, well, I mean, that's I'm like, Clemson. listen, they're they're gonna they're gonna lose. It's Clemson, but like they lost forty-one to six. Yeah, you know, yeah, if they I mean, I don't, I don't forty-one think so. to twenty. I'd be like, okay, you can't call them a bad team for that. Sure, forty-one to six. You just got like they just got embarrassed. Yeah, I mean Clemson's really good. So, so this is let me let me and put a bow on thirty-three points to Western Michigan. Sure, that's fair. Yeah, maybe Syracuse is not good a good team. But here's here's my overarching theory: is like the transitive property does not work in college football. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Right. So, like when people were saying to me, "Oh, Pitt beat UCF," so our win over them is actually a good win because we we beat them because they beat UCF. It's like, no, man. Listen, does it make our I think it makes it look schedule? better. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. And that's, yeah. that's on me. I overreacted because I was just so angry at people like getting this way, way wrong. Like, yes, it, it makes our strength of schedule better. Do I think Pitt's going to be a great team that people are going to look back and be like, wow, Penn State beat Pitt. That's a, that's a quality win. No, I don't because I think they're going to be slightly above average like they have been. And it's not going to matter. It's going to be a win. And in our strength of schedule numbers, it'll look better. But, like the college football playoff, college football playoff selection committee isn't going to be sitting there, like, if we're on the bubble, saying, yeah, you know what, they have that win over Pitt. Like, I don't see that. Here nor there. Maryland, uh, they do have a new head coach, Mike Loxley, who was a former Bama offensive coordinator. Uh, last year was actually co-offensive coordinators with Josh Gaddis. Um, two and one on the year. Like I said, they looked incredible those first two weeks. Um, came back down to earth. They lost to Temple. I think it was 20 to 17, something like that. So their, their powerful offense kind of just sputtered against a Temple defense. Um, but again, we can't, we can't sit here and say like, oh, then that, that means we're going to crush them. Like every week is just so ridiculous. You never know what's going to happen. Um, series history, Penn State leads 39 to two with one tie. <laughs> Pretty damn good. Uh, we play them a lot in like the, it was like the early, early, days like we haven't played them again until um yeah you know these last five years or so so under coach james franklin we are four and one uh we lost that first game in 2014 do you remember anything particular about that game no i don't even remember that we lo ever lost to them so we lost to them this is franklin's first year in 2014 oh i do remember this yeah this was like when people were calling for him to get fired this is the game that maryland refused to shake hands with penn state before the game do you remember that Oh yeah, and then yeah, they that beat us. Loss even more. Yep, it was oh, it killed me. Since then, we've beat them in four straight and by a ton of points. I'll get to that a little bit later. Um, but yeah, I think I think this will be an interesting game based on the team that they are right now and the team that we are right now. A lot of times when we do these previews, we look at you know how the team did last season. Like this Maryland team looks completely different to me. I don't even want to look at like last season. So let's take a look at how they stack up this year. Offense, they are averaging 53 points per game, which is good for fourth in the nation. Not bad. Uh, they are averaging 260 pass yards a game, 56th in the nation. Uh, they have nine passing touchdowns, uh, two interceptions, and five sacks allowed. Quarterback Josh Jackson, uh, definitely an improvement over anything that they've had in the past. Um, but he's still only completing 51% of passes, so nothing... 
Nothing crazy. Uh, rushing, 277 rushing yards per game, which is eighth in the nation. 12 touchdowns, no fumbles lost, which I thought was pretty impressive. Um, and then lastly, they are converting third downs at a 45% clip for 36th in the nation. So if you look at the offense as a whole, yards-wise, it's pretty balanced. Uh, pass and rush, 260 pass, 277 rush. Um, but clearly rushing, you know, eighth in the nation versus pass 56th in the nation. That's that's what they are kind of getting their reputation for. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think you're really ever going to see an offense that's top 10 in both categories in the yeah. country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That just doesn't really happen. Like, in order to be top 10 in one of those categories, you've got to be pretty unbalanced. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, I think we saw some ro- uh, some running back rotation for them early on. I think it was a, I think it was a couple weeks ago. You gave them your your baller of the week. It was the running backs, yeah. right? Because uh, there were like four guys who crushed it. Um, I think they've settled in. Anthony McFarland is is their guy. Uh, was he their guy last season too? He was. He was the one yeah. that tore up. Uh, was it Ohio State? I think when they almost beat Ohio State. Yeah. Um, and then we, we were kind of worried about him coming in last season. He didn't really do much. Yeah. Yeah. So that. I don't remember last season's game as well. I know we won. I think it was like it was 30, over Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was like thirty something to three. But yeah, we, we were able to shut him down pretty nicely. Um, he's playing. He's playing pretty well this year. Um, uh, they do have another guy, Tavon Fleet Davis, that'll be like the primary backup. But it, it'll be mostly Anthony McFarland, um, averaging like five yards a rush. Um, yeah, he's a good player. I, I think we'll be able to. I think we'll be able to contain um, based on our running D so far. Uh, so that's Maryland's offense. Let's look at their defense, uh, and then we'll kind of give some commentary on each year. Uh, defense, they are allowing uh, 13 points per game, which is tied for 14th in the country. Uh, they're allowing 237 passing yards, uh, good for 53rd or 63rd in the nation. Uh, allowing 73.7 rushing yards per game, good for 10th in the nation. So their run D, their front seven, is looking pretty, pretty good. Uh, they are holding their opponents to only a 24% third down conversion. Good for sixth in the nation. Doesn't mesh well with how we've been doing lately. Uh, and they have a plus four turnover margin, uh, which is 12th in the nation. So, um, yeah, a lot of things to like about this team. I know they stumbled against Temple last week or, or the week prior, really, but a lot of, a lot of things to like. What's, uh, what's standing out uh, to you on some of those things there? Um, potentially a if things don't go right for us quick, potentially a bad matchup. We've struggled running the ball. They've had huge success not allowing people to run the ball. Um, they've had a really good pass rush. We've had some extremely questionable pass blocking. Uh, however, I think the fact that they're not particularly good against the pass, um, especially with a good pass rush, to still not be good against the pass, I think says a lot about their defensive backs. And I see... Sean Clifford and our wide receivers taking a lot of advantage of that. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think it's I think it's something that we still need to work on establishing the run. Like, obviously, it's not something you can just abandon because they're good at it. So I'll be very interested to see how we come out and and start that early on. Um, but I agree. I think, I think if we establish early, they won't be able. To, you know, maybe that opens up some running room. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and that, and that's sort of what I think is. Um, you know, the question is like, do you, do you come out early and try to get that run game going? Or do you, do you establish the pass, let them, let them sleep a little bit and then, then try to get it going later. Um, 
But yeah, I, I, I love this game for Sean Clifford. Um, the, spoiler alert, that's going to be one of my uh, don't be surprised ifs later on. I think I think this is a game where Cliff starts putting things together. Um, I feel like, you know, having a bye, having this much time to prepare and look back at that pit game particularly, um, I think this is a game where we see Sean Clifford take that next step to being a legitimate starting quarterback. I think he's been fine so far. I think he's been a good game manager. He hasn't made mistakes, right? He hasn't thrown interceptions, but as far as making the right reads, as far as um, reads in the read option, as far as checking down instead of just trying to chuck up the deep pass, like I think this is a game where you start to see him come into his own. So I'm really, really excited for that. Uh, all right, so those same stats that I just rattled off, let's see how Penn State compares this season. Offense, we are averaging 47 points a game, uh, ninth in the nation. Averaging 281 pass yards per game. That's 26 in the nation. Not bad, Sean Clifford. Uh, seven touchdowns, no interceptions, like I said. Uh, and we've allowed six sacks. Doesn't it feel like more? It does. Um, I mean, that's think about our competition, though. That's still two sacks a game. Yeah. That includes a game against Idaho. Um, you know. Idaho, Buffalo. Where, did we give up any against Idaho? I don't think so. Um I'd have to look at the game by game. If we but... didn't, then that's three a game, which is still, like, after in the next two, that's not very good. No, not at all. Um, so Sean Clifford, uh, completion <clears throat> percentage right now, 58.7, an average of 10.4. <coughs> uh, running, uh, 192 rush yards per game, 48th in the nation, uh, with 10 touchdowns on the ground, um, which is interesting because we've struggled so much on the ground. We have more rushing touchdowns than we do passing touchdowns. Uh, I think that speaks to our red zone efficiency and how we've been in the red zone with our running backs. Uh, and two fumbles lost. And then finally, third down efficiency. Uh, like I mentioned, every week up until now, it is a struggle for us. Uh, we are currently at 23%, which is 127th in the nation out of 130. Not great. Yeah. Uh, flip to the defense. Uh, some, some strength here in the defense. We are allowing only 10 points per game, which is tied for fourth in the nation allowing only 70.7 rushing yards per game, which is ninth in the nation. So you remember if I just said Maryland 10th, we are ninth. So two very nice. strong run defenses going against each other. Uh, unfortunately, we are allowing 252 passing yards a game, which is 94th in the nation. According to your notes, it's actually 94. 94. Good typing, Chris. <laughs> hey, now. Uh, listen, man, I've had a long day, okay? Uh, we don't normally do this read-off stats, but I don't know. It just felt like a good time to do it. So I liked it. I like it. All right. If you're, listen if you're listening, which you are because you're hearing my voice, uh, let me know if you like the stat breakdown or not. We'll, we'll, we'll try to incorporate this, but I don't want it to be the same old, like, boring stuff that you hear everywhere else. Uh, wrapping out. Penn State defense, uh, we are holding opponents to 30% third down conversion, which I that actually surprised me. It's 25th in the nation, but holding them to 30% feels like that should be higher. I feel like we're, um, I feel like we struggle on third down a lot, um, but clearly we've had nice. a couple of bad third and longs that we've let up, but I feel yeah. like overall we've been pretty good. Yeah, exactly. And uh, turnover margin, we're at plus one right now. So hopefully, hopefully looking to get some more out of the defense in, in the turnover uh, category. But other than that, like I said, run D has been stellar, um, you know, allowing only 10 points per game. This defense has looked good, and I think I think this will be a really nice matchup because um, – maybe not a really nice matchup, but a really telling matchup. Um, yeah. Because with, with Pitt, like we, like we mentioned, we were very, very bend, don't break. Yeah, we only let up 10 points. Um, should have been more from, from what they did on that damn field goal to one. Um, 
but we kind of let them carve us up, right? Kenny Pickett was just throwing those intermediate routes, moving the ball against the secondary. I think this is a game where I, I want to see that bounce back. I want to see I want to see us be able to shut down the run, which I think we're going to do because I, I really believe in our run D. And I want to see our secondary complement that. I want to see us be able to play a full complementary defense and really shut this team down. If Temple's holding them to 17, can't use the transitive property. It doesn't mean we will do the same, but I, I think we have a really good opportunity for our defense to, to, show, to show out and, and play a really good game. Yeah, I think this is a telling matchup because I, I'm, it's hard to say right now just because they really had one bad game, but I think perhaps we bought in on Maryland too early, and I don't think they're that great. True. But they seem, at this point in the season, we have very similar team statistics. So seeing who comes out on top will be interesting. Uh, I'd like to see some, I mean, this kid, what's their quarterback's name? Uh, Josh Jackson, I believe. Josh Jackson. He's got two interceptions already. That's almost one a game. I'd like to up that, get at least one. Um, you know, win the turnover battle always helps win the game. Uh, Penn State's been pretty good with turnovers. So, uh, yeah, I, like, I like what we're I, – I like – I think we match up pretty well defensively against them. Uh, our rush defense – run defense has been very good. Um, I think our pass defense is better than the stats kind of suggest, especially when you consider that we've only allowed 10 points a game. So I like uh, I like our defense in this one. I think we're going to hold them pretty low-scoring affair. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I do. I do think our pass defense needs improvement, though, because again, it's it's been very bend don't break, where we have only allowed ten points, but we've allowed we've allowed some some carving us up. Remember that Buffalo quarterback we made look real good. Kenny Pickett from sure. Pitt, we made look real good. And again, we also didn't get a lot of pressure on Kenny Pickett. Yeah, exactly. So so I think I think yeah, it's a combination, right? Like we need to get a better pass rush so our secondaries isn't having to cover for you know ten seconds or whatever the hell it is. Um, but at the same time, I want to see I want to see a little bit more more intensity from that secondary. Um, I won't tweet that. I would like players, to see our. I would yeah. like to see it. I would like to see some better pass coverage out of this short stuff from our linebackers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so let's jump into uh, James Franklin's press conference today. Uh, here are some notes, some highlights, takeaways from his press conference. Um, opened it up. Uh, one of the first things uh, he acknowledged that we need to be better on third down, which I thought was awesome. Um, you know, this is one where. Historically, we we've heard some sort of excuse type stuff. Well, where like, hey, we have all these chunk plays. We don't have that many third downs. Um, but it was one of the first questions, and he was honest. He's like, yeah, we need to get better on third down. We understand that. Um, you know, it's something we're working on. Uh, and I I don't know. I appreciated that. Yeah, uh, we do. So at least he's right about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, he mentioned though uh, we are one of the best teams in the country in red zone conversion percentage, uh, which is true. So I looked it up. Uh, have, did you read these notes? Yeah. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop sharing my notes with you. We tried something new, listeners. I, I put together a bunch of notes. No, I like it. I can. I'm a good actor. I'll pretend I didn't read them. All right, pretend you didn't read them. Uh, where do you think we are in red zone conversion percentage? Oh God, I mean, I, I don't think we've missed a red zone red zone conversion so far this season. I think that's got to put us top seven. Yeah, yeah, we are uh, at hundred percent. We are tied for first with twelve other teams uh, at a hundred percent conversion rate. So we are 12 for 12, nine touchdowns, three field goals, uh, which I actually like that ratio. I don't know like what a good ratio should be, touchdown to field goals. That seems nine, good. Nine to three seems pretty good. You're not going to punch it in every single time. I'm okay with that. Um, 12 teams, like I said, are perfect, um, but it varies, right? Like we're 12 for 12, 
LSU is 27 for 27 in the red zone. Sheesh. Like, that's damn good. Um, But there are also plenty of teams that aren't perfect but have more trips, right? So Franklin said that, hey, we're perfect. But we need to get in the red zone more, and that that speaks. To we that seem third to down score conversion. from outside the red zone a lot, though. We do, but it's also the third down conversion percentage, right? If we're converting more than twenty three percent of the time, we're going to keep those drives alive, give ourselves a chance to get into the red zone where we have been really, really good. Of course, but right. I would wonder of those teams that have more trips but aren't perfect, how many of them have scored more points than us this season? Uh, so I'll give you a couple. Washington State, who is just a points factory. I don't know how the hell they lost to what was it UCLA. Or Cal, yeah, whatever, UCLA. whatever team, UCLA. Uh, they're twenty-one for twenty-two in the red zone. I'd rather be that than twelve for twelve, honestly. Um, Georgia nineteen for twenty, Oklahoma fifteen for sixteen. So, like, basically, what I'm saying is the stat can be misleading, but we're doing a damn good job when we get in the red zone. Yeah. So again, it's complimentary, right? It's it's hey, we we've we've nailed it in the red zone. Let's convert those third downs, keep the drives going, and then hey, we're a, we're a, a, a lethal offense at that point. All right, he was asked about game plan execution, basically saying like, hey, you know, we talk a lot about having a game plan, you know, making adjustments if needed. How do you feel uh, about that? Um, Same thing. He kind of started off with like, hey, we have a lot that we need to improve on. Um, You know, we need to be consistent in all three phases. Um, No, what he said, what I liked, he said no one phase has been dominant yet, Um, which I actually, I really liked that. What are your thoughts on that? Um, Yeah, I mean, that's true. No one phase has been dominant. Um, especially like the, where we kind of expected to be dominant was the pass rush. We expect to be dominant all season and it really hasn't been. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to maybe some of that coming along. Yeah. And I think he, he even meant it at like a high level offense, defense, and special teams. Not none of the three have been dominant, which I like that he said, because as good as our defense has been, like he knows it can be better, right? Like yeah, we have, what you're talking about. Good. We've been in not letting up points. We've been letting people put together drives. Yeah, exactly. So I really liked that. Um, but he did mention he's proud of how we're playing, mentioned the turnovers, which honestly a plus one is not that great of a margin. Um, I, I, I know he's saying it like hype the guys up, um, but also we pointed out penalties, which I looked up. Um, Pat, since you haven't read the notes, you know how many penalties we've had this year? Oh, whew, boy, if I had to guess, <laughs> like just top of my head. Yep. I, I don't know, maybe like nine for 95 yards. Man, guys, we got a psychic on the line. It is nine for 95 yards. <laughs> wow, I don't know how you do it. Um, that actually, that impresses the hell out of me. Um, we have been a team, I feel like historically, that have, have had a lot of silly penalties. Um, to have only nine through three games, I appreciate. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Please keep it up, team. Uh, a couple other tidbits from Coach James Franklin. Uh, there's a question about KJ Hamlet. Uh, and how you get him more involved. Uh, and Franklin said, need to get him more touches. Doesn't need to just be the deep shots. We can focus on higher percentage stuff. Um, I think that speaks to a lot more of some of the playbook that maybe we haven't seen yet. Um, or maybe that Ricky Ronnie doesn't have yet. We'll get to that later. Um, but I think I think you start seeing him in some of those like you know quick bubble screens, the jet sweeps. Um, obviously, you can't do it all the time. Um, but I think what we've seen a lot are these like downfield shots, like, hey, KJ's the man, just throw it up, it's fine. There are other ways to get the dude involved, and Franklin acknowledged that. Yeah, and I'd also, I'd love to see him in like 10 to 15 yard crossing routes where he gets just like just a little bit of space and he can do so much with it. Yeah, and that's all he needs, right? He's shown that in the past. Um, 
think it was three Castro Fields on on one of the press conferences said that same thing. Like said, if you don't get your hands on him, he's gonna blow by you. Um, so I, I like like I know I keep repeating this, but I like that Franklin acknowledged that. I feel like a yeah. lot of times in the press conferences, like he kind of glosses over some of those things. So I felt I felt like this one was a little bit more transparent than usual. Um, last thing that he acknowledged that I really liked was third and longs on defense. So you just mentioned it earlier that we've gotten into those situations a bit. And he said, he said, we've been really good, but we let people off the hook. We get them into this third and long. And then, you know, he said, I know screens have hurt us. How many times have we watched a little dump off screen beat us on like a third and 15? So uh, it feels like at least once a game, at least. Right. And he said, he said, this is, that's been a big focus of the bye week is, and also, that was uh, a problem last field. season too. Huge. I mean, think. Remember that Ohio State game? How much? Uh, oh, how many killed screens us. killed us? Like we we went back and looked. Like Haskins Haskins didn't have many downfield throws. He had a couple, but there were a ton of little dinks and dumps, and those receivers just took off. Um, yeah. So I like that. You know, he said that's been a big focus of the bye week, getting off the field on third and longs, um, because we've seen our defense be on the field for these. 15, 16, 17, 18 play drives. And that's just draining, man. Like that kills, even with the heavy rotation of people, that is so hard to overcome. And then it makes it tough for your offense to get into a rhythm when they're just sitting down. Yeah, it's like a it's like a pitcher in baseball. Like you love when your offense is, is hitting home runs and scoring ten innings and in, or scoring ten runs in an inning, but you're sitting on the bench for forty minutes, like your arm's getting a little cold. Yeah. Um so yeah, I, I like that. And then uh, finally, he was asked about the running backs. He said you're still going to see all four play. Uh, it almost hurt me a little bit. He said he said you're going to see all four scholarship running backs play. Ah, uh, Nick Yuri. Shout out man. to Nick Yuri. Uh, ah. you, James James Franklin. You didn't have to throw that word in there. We all understood what you meant. Uh, but he said they're all they're all going to play until you see clear separation. So we have a Twitter question on that. We'll save that for later. Um, but those were the those are the Franklin notes of the week. Any uh, any major shock surprises? Any comments on that? Um, no, I mean I, I I I'm like you. I like the fact that he addressed actual problems that we've been uh, and specific problems that we've been seeing, not just sort of like general. Yeah, uh, we got to be elite. We got to be better in all three phases. He, then he talked about getting KJ the ball more, being better on third down, things like that. Yeah, I agree. So James Franklin, you're cool, man. Uh, all right, so then uh, I had a lot of time, guys. This was bye week. I had a lot of time to do research. So this is probably one of the more in-depth episodes you're going to get. Uh, did a little research on how I we love are. This. What's that? So I love this, this, uh, this next segment. Okay, nice one. Big fan. Um, little, little bit of research on how we do coming off of a bye. So, Pat, if you had to take a guess under Coach James Franklin, what's our record when coming off a bye? Oh, boy. You know what? I know it feels like your gut reaction is probably strong, but I, I just I get this feeling that maybe we've got like a losing record, like two and four, perhaps. Ladies and gentlemen, how does he do it? Under Coach James Franklin, Penn State is two and four coming off a bye. Um, so I took it a little bit deeper. Uh, double-clicked on this, as they say in, in some world. I don't know if they actually say that, but I did. Um, I don't know if this stat that I'm about to read off holds any sort of weight, but it was really, really interesting to me. So we were two and four coming off by. All four of those losses were after a loss before the bye. So we lost, we went into the bye, we lost again. The two wins that we had were coming off of wins before the bye. Win, bye, win. 
again, I don't know if that holds anything, but I thought that was kind of cool. I think it does. Okay, good. We're going to take it because guess what? We're coming off of win. Works in our favor. See, this is this is what I hate about heavy like stats and some of the other. I, I haven't listened to a lot of the other Penn State podcasts, but some of the articles that like just go so deep into stats, you can manipulate them to say whatever you want. Like I literally just did it. <laughs> we are two and four off a of bye, but I just made it sound good because of some sort of trend. It's wild. And here's here's one thing I want to say though is I feel like there have been two different eras of the James Franklin era, and that is the. Big Ten championships in post and before. Yeah. And so it's, it's like 2016 and after, and then like 2015 and before. And so 2016 and after, we're two and one. Correct. Correct. Yeah, no, I, I, think, like that's, that. I think that's fair, actually. I think that's really fair. Because, yeah, you look at that, I mean, that 2014, 15 years, that was, I mean, coming into coming into a, a not great situation and, and starting to build the program up. Um, so to rattle them off quickly, 2014, we actually had two buys. Um, so we lost to Michigan on the road, uh, and that was after a loss to Northwestern the week before. Uh, then we actually had a buy after that, and we lost to Ohio State after that one. So two losses in 2014 coming off the buy. And then 2015, we lost to Michigan at home, uh, 28-16, and that was coming off a loss to Northwestern the week before. A lot of Northwestern losses. What the hell? Then 2016 happens. you know it's a different program. We're losing in Northwestern. Yeah, seriously. But then 2016 happens, right? So uh, you remember 2016? Again, it didn't. It started off not great, right? We we lose to Pitt. Mm-hmm. We get absolutely rocked by Michigan. I think that was the what was it 49-10 something like that that year. Yep. Uh, and then we have this win over. I think Minnesota was kind of the turning point. Um, we're starting to play better. Yep. We get a win over Maryland, and we go into the bye. And we come out of that by, we have the signature win over Ohio State. The play. No one will ever forget this game. It's just, I mean, I hate hanging on the to block. it, but it's, it's oh. the block in return. Uh, so, yeah, that, that year, we had a win over Maryland. We go into the bye. We come out and we beat Ohio State at home, which was incredible. 2017, we have a win over Northwestern. We go into the bye, come out, and we beat Michigan 42-13 to at home. So, same thing, kind of carrying that momentum. 2018, um, and one one thing I will say, 2017, that was great that we came out of that bye and we beat Michigan 42 to 13. We oh, did yeah. we did then go on to lose to Ohio State and Michigan State, so take that part out for this stat. Somebody somebody edit this part out. <laughs> and then last year uh, we lost to Ohio State, go into the bye, and then lost to Michigan State. Um, so like I said, there, there's something here about momentum and about carrying over from what you did the, before the bye and into the game after the bye. Hopefully, that trend will continue this week. All right, so uh, let's jump into our uh, kind of predictive section of the show. For any new listeners, this is what we do every week for the preview show. We give you our key to victory, our don't be surprised if, and then we're going to make some official gambling picks. So I feel like we've kind of said these already, but let's let's recap them here. Pat, what is your key to victory in this game? Uh, I've, I've got two. Uh, first key to victory is going to be staying out of third and longs. Uh, Maryland is good on third down defensively. We've been bad thus far, but I think if we can stay in that like third and manageable situation, we'll see those numbers go up pretty significantly in this game. Uh, and also the, uh, the run, the run reads, Sean Clifford's run reads could be my other key to victory, uh, struggling run game so far against a good run defense. But I think if he can make the correct reads consistently, we could see that open up, and that'll open up like the entire offense. Yeah, 
Uh, I love that. I didn't have that one written down, but I think that's a really good point on on Clifford making those right reads. Um, yeah, it's 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 it surprises the hell out of me with Maryland being so good against the run. I haven't looked at what they've done in past years, um, but that could be a really big challenge. So yeah, I like that key. Um, for me, it's it's on the defensive side of the ball. It's uh, it's the secondary. Uh, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, and and I guess it is a bit of a combination on just past defense in general. Um, but it's I, I am confident that we'll be able to to shut down if if not shut down at least contain their running back uh, running backs. So I feel comfortable on that. But the pass defense, I, I really really want to see this secondary make some plays. I want to see the pass rush get in there. Um, I think if we're able to do that, like I said, this quarterback is is much better than what they've had in the past at Maryland. But I don't think he's a superstar. Um, and I think I've said that three weeks in a row now from, from Buffalo and Pitt uh, into this game. But I, I think if we can make him pass, we have a, such a strong such a strong edge there. Um, that that's my key to victory. I like it. All right. Don't be surprised if. What is one of your don't be surprised ifs? Don't be surprised if this game uh, kind of goes similar to Buffalo, where it starts off and it's very close in the first half. Uh, we're having trouble moving the ball consistently. They seem to be holding on to the ball for a long time. But then in the second half, we really open it up and score a bunch of points. I hate that. Like, I, I think you're right, and that's why I hate that. Yeah. Um, I don't like it, but don't be, don't be surprised. Oh, and that's what this segment is for, right? Um, man, I want to see a fast start on offense so bad. So I'm actually – my don't be surprised if – it's maybe a little bit of just me wishful thinking and putting good vibes out like I always okay, do. Do it. Don't be surprised if this is Sean Clifford's coming out party. Like okay. I said, he has been good. He has been manageable. He has been good enough. Don't be surprised if this is the game where Sean Clifford steps up and absolutely leads this team to a big victory. I'm not talking about eking out a win and, and having to talk about how we should have been better. I'm talking about Sean Clifford making the right reads, checking down, not underthrowing deep receivers, and looking like the man. Hashtag stiff for Cliff. Love it. That's my Love oh it. also don't be surprised if there's a kick return or punt return for a touchdown because my, yeah. my my season long prediction is looking Obviously. really bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So <laughs> let's jump into official predictions. Um Gambling line. This is the Penn State pick'em. Uh, current line is Penn State minus seven. Um, you can you can get minus six and a half at some books. So if you are gambling, shop around. That six and a half will be a major difference if we only win by a touchdown. That's the difference between getting paid or pushing and getting zero money. Uh, under over, uh, same thing. It's hovering around 59 and a half, 60. If you can get that half a point, people, take it. Trust me, I've lost so many bets on half a point. Take it if you can. Uh, so Pat, what are you thinking here? Penn State. Let's let's use the flat or let's use the half points just to make it a little bit easier. Okay. Uh, Penn State minus six and a half. My answer is the same either way. All right, fair enough. What do you got? Uh, I'm taking my classic Penn State in the under. Oh, I hate the under so bad, but this is good because I'm taking Penn I'm State taking. In the over. Taking Penn State in the over is easy. All right, so tell us tell us what your official score prediction is for Penn State in the under. Thirty-five to thirteen. Thirty-five. To 13. So that gives you a total, let me check your math, of 48. 48 so it goes yeah. well under the 60 uh, and 35 minus 13. Stay with us. 22 point victory. Okay. Okay. I uh, I hope it's more than that, uh, which is why my prediction 
like I said, Sean Clifford is going to come out and lead this team. My prediction is 45-17. to 17. Okay. So that gives you a 28-point margin and puts us right at that under-over. Puts us at 62. So I'm taking this. Like I said, it's a Friday night in Maryland. It's weird. It feels like it... It almost feels like it should be like a – this feels like it should be the 17-10 to 10 of Pitt because it's such a weird game. I honestly forgot that it was a Friday night game until this podcast started. There you go, man. <laughs> yeah, Friday night. I was planning my Saturday around watching this game nope. all week. Friday night. Uh, <laughs> and honestly, for, for, for those of you listening, if you don't know, Pat and I both live in California. So we are on West Coast time. So this game starts at like – 5 p.m. 5 maybe. p.m. probably, 4.30 maybe even. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so this is uh, this is my prediction. 45, 17, put it in the book. Starts at 5 p.m. Pacific time on Fox Sports 1. All right, uh, anything else on the game before we get into some Twitter questions from our followers? Um, no. I always ask. I don't know why. I'll be a better host for that, guys. I don't need to ask it's all okay. the time. All right, so we have a couple, couple Twitter questions uh, this week. So thank you guys for those that write in. Uh, I will check live right now to make sure there's none that came in after I took my notes. Uh, doesn't look like it. We're pretty good. All right, so I'm going chronologically here. Some of this we've talked about. Some of this we haven't. First one comes from Patty at PattyTakes213. Great username, PattyTakes. PattyTakes. Like Patty Cakes, but he, he has takes. I get it. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure. I had to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> Patty Takes says, when do you think we're going to see some separation in the running back rotation? I'll give you another Patty Take right here, buddy. And uh, I think it's going to be either post-Iowa or post-Michigan. Uh, those are going to be, like, that's kind of the beginning of our really tough schedule against ranked opponents. And I think by then you don't really want to have a full running back rotation, and you'll most likely start seeing some separation in production as well. Yeah, um... My cop-out answer is, is after this game, um, which I, don't, I think I believe that like 70%. I don't think I believe it fully, but I think this is going to be a game where because they do have a, a, such a good run D, I think you're going to see some, I think you're going to see almost less rotation. Like, it, like I think, let me get this. I, I don't know how to say this without sounding like dumb, but I, I think you're going to see Journey Brown and Noah Kane as your top two guys. Uh, Ricky, I think Ricky is listed as the number two, but I think you're going to see those two guys, and I think you're going to see them sort of pound it with them both. Like, I, I think it might look ugly early on, but they're going to give them a shot. Uh, and I think maybe this is a wishful thing. I think you're going to see Journey take take some reins. Um, I think I, so. I really want Ricky to be the guy because I love Ricky Slade, and, and he's still young and, and he's such a talent. But like, Journey's looked really good. Noah Kane has looked really good. Um, I'm a big time Devin Ford supporter. You've heard that all offseason, but like I think this is I think this is the point in the schedule. You're going into Big Ten play. Like you have to make those decisions. Like I don't think you can go into the Iowa game not knowing. Like I think that's such a risk, you know what I mean? Um, so for me, I think it's after this game. And I think something else that I was thinking about earlier is there's there's gotta be a lot of this happening in practice that we don't see, right? Like there's gotta be some like, yes, there's we're playing all four of them and we believe in all four of them they got to know like a good bit in practice who their guys are. And I think it's only a matter of time until you see that um, play out. So sum it up. I think it's this game. I think you see journey and Noah Kane start to separate. All right. Next up, CJ Scal, Scalzetti, CJ Goon, shout out to our boy. Um, would you agree that if we do not come out and play well, it is a bad sign for the rest of the season. 
<laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but that, that made me laugh. It's like, yeah, kind of. Um, and would you agree the key to this offense is Clifford making the proper reads? So let's start with the first question. Would you agree that if we don't come out and play well, it's a bad sign for the rest of the season? I would. Um, I think this is our first, no, I don't know if I'd say our first quality opponent, but it's like, it's a good measuring stick, Maryland, in terms of, I think they're a quality team, but I don't think they're a great team. And if we don't play well against them, that means there's a pretty good chance we won't play well against great teams. And also it's going to be a very good measuring stick for our offensive line, which I think is a huge indicator of how good we'll be this season. Yeah. And I, I, I like, I laughed reading us out loud. Cause like I read it earlier. It's like, if we don't play well, is that bad? It's like, yeah, it's bad. But I think, <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I think what CJ is getting at here is like uh, everyone loves to make the comparisons to that 2016 team. Cause it was similar time frame of like, new new weapons figuring things out uh, and it took a while i mentioned it earlier it took till i think it was the fifth game of the season was that minnesota game where things started coming together so i think that's the question of here is like how much more time do you give it for things to come together versus hey we're just not that great yet um and, and similar to my answer on the last one yeah i think it's this game man i, I do i think i think we're i believe this is going to be a really good game for clifford uh and to your second part um the key to this offense is him making the right reads. Yeah, I do. Um, a lot of people look back to Trace taking a while to get it. Um, I mean, you remember by the end of his career, that was something that was like such a strength for him. So, yeah, it's going to take time. I do think the offense like hinges on that. Um, and, yeah, I, I think this game needs to be a strong, significant victory from start to finish. Like, I, I, I don't know. It needs to be. And I... Even uh, you talked about looking back to that Minnesota game we won. Look back at the play that we won on, which I'm pretty sure was a run read where Saquon scored yeah. that late touchdown. It might yeah. have, was it overtime actually? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. And that, that huge like forty yard touchdown. Yep, handed off up the gut. Yeah, rolling from there. Yeah, I agree. So yes, good questions. I I do think this game needs to be because if we play poorly in this game, I'm not going to feel good about some of the other Big Ten opponents that we have coming up. Um, For sure. All right, next comes from Chris at Lions026. Uh, where can Maryland hurt us the most, and how good is their front seven? Uh, we've kind of talked about this a little bit. Um, you know, we talked about their run D. Talking about their front seven, Franklin mentioned in the press conference, uh, they have two transfers on their defensive line, one from Clemson, one from Ohio State. So the talent level is, is there. Um, yeah, I, I think their run D is the biggest thing that can hurt us. I feel confident in, in us putting together a good pass, um, but if you can't be two-dimensional, that becomes a problem. Yeah, I agree. I think where they can hurt us the most is absolutely with their run defense and their front seven. And how good is their front seven? We'll find out Friday. Yeah, yeah. I'm not super worried about their offense, and I say that every week, and it always comes back to bite me. But I, 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 I 10 points a game. Yeah, yeah. I think their defense is, <laughs> I think their defense is where they can hurt us the most. Their front seven, hopefully, we're able to get through. Uh, next one comes from Ron Burgundy. Wow, big fan. Uh, at PSU fan 1977 says, Do you think we will stop rotating linemen and safety so much once we start Big Ten play? And how can the line gel with swapping guards every other series? Uh, offensive linemen, yes. Defensive linemen, no. Safeties, also no. I agree with that but I'm a little bit worried about the offensive linemen because I don't think anyone has taken that step yet that they can stop rotating. Um, 
which is not ideal. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like, how can the line gel swapping guards every other series? I think in a perfect world, it's not every other series, right? It's like you have your two guys that are your starters, and that third guy is just like when a guy an excellent option off the bench, right? It's, it's someone who you'd feel comfortable starting if someone's injured or if someone needs to catch their breath, but it's not a constant rotation to keep guys fresh, right? Like the, yeah. D, the D line, they rotate because those guys are, you know, monsters, pass rush, you, have every, to, you, you kind of have to. Yeah, so like that, is that a necessity? Offensive line, yeah, you want your starting five to be able to gel. And I think uh, you look at your guards, it's Gonzalez, Thorpe, and Miranda. I don't know who becomes the odd man out. Like, I really don't. Um, I hate to say Gonzo because he's like a fifth-year senior and, you know, looking to go to the NFL, but Miranda has looked good in flashes. Thorpe has looked good in flashes. And if you're building for the future, I don't know. Um, yeah. I think the best one so far has been CJ Thorpe. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, yeah, like, to answer your question, do you think we stop rotating the linemen? No, I agree with you, Pat. Uh, or, no, you said yes. I think we eventually, maybe not this game, but like in the yeah. upcoming weeks, we stop. You see, you stop seeing regular rotation of our offensive linemen. Yeah, yeah, and he said once we start Big Ten play. So technically, that's right now. I don't think you see it this week. I think you're going to see a lot of rotation this week, um, possibly even next week. Safeties, safeties, I think is interesting too because you've got Garrett Taylor, who, despite maybe a bad game uh, last time, we we have full confidence he's not he's not going anywhere. Um, you have Lamont Wade. But like with Jaquan Brisker having the skill set that he has, with Jonathan Sutherland having the skill set he has, and with the different defensive looks, you're going to see extra safeties in there. So I I also don't think it's as much of a rotation as you see different packages. Yeah, I agree with you. I think you're going to – and even you will see some rotation just because those guys run a lot, man. Yeah, seriously. a lot (laughs) of running throughout the game. Yeah. So like they need a series off every now and then. Or not even even just a series, like a set of downs. Yeah, yeah, so I agree. I think you'll continue. Defense, you just tend to rotate a lot more. Yes, yeah. I, I was thinking about uh, having an educated comment on that. No, I, I agree with you. <laughs> All right, last Twitter question of the night comes from Jeffrey Wallace Jr. Shout out, Jeff. Um, it said, Franklin rarely changes coaches in the middle of the season. However, if the offense and O-line continue to struggle... Do you think Franklin will actually fire Ronnie or Lime Grover? No. No, I can't see it. Uh, I will I'll give you a little bit of a, a taster. No, I don't think I don't think he fires either of them in the season. If he does, it's Lime Grover. Yeah, though. damn it. Taking my hot take. <laughs> it's not a hot take. It's very it's very straightforward. It wouldn't shock me if Lime Grover goes the season if the offensive line continues to be how bad it is. Because we talked about this a lot in previous episodes. Ronnie kind of has that like built-in excuse of it's new players. The offensive line isn't playing great, so he has to, you know, his play calling is limited. Um, plus, I think, I think, I think Franklin is just like loyal to a fault to Ronnie. I don't know, like, I don't know their relationship. But also, obviously. at the end of the day, the offensive production under Ronnie has still been high. It's like, good. it might not. It's not as consistent as you'd like, and there's a lot of like you see plays that you don't like. But you just look at Penn State's points per game. It's it's high. It's a high output offense. Yeah, forty seven points per game, regardless of who you're playing, is not not anything to shake a stick at. Um, we're not going to go in depth on Ronnie because if you want to listen to the pit, the pit episode, we we went all in on that. 
Um, I think I think from a mid-season perspective, you're not going to fire your offensive coordinator mid-season unless yeah. you're like giving up, unless you have a losing record, unless you're not going bowling. You're just not going to do that because that is such a sign to your players, to your team. Like, I don't know. Maybe you do some things like internally where like, hey, you know, Ronnie, you're still the offensive coordinator, but I'm calling plays now. Meaning Franklin, yeah. or maybe I think that would happen before he gets yeah. fired. Or right. you have, or you have one of the other offensive coaches, Jared Parker, J1 side, or one of them like becomes like unofficially a co-offensive coordinator, like something like that. Maybe behind the scenes, you don't do that publicly. Um, but if the offensive line is that bad, like, and of course we hope this doesn't happen, but if they're continuing to struggle mid-season and we do drop a couple games, like, wouldn't shock me to see him say, "Hey, Lime Grover, you got to go." Um, I don't know who takes over in that sense. Like, I don't know who else can can coach offensive line midseason. But short answer, I don't think he fires either of the midseason. I do think you see Lime Grover go after the season, regardless of what happens. Yeah, unless there's like some tremendous improvement out of the offensive line. And yeah. I mean, like, like I could still see us going like ten and two, and Lime Grover gets fired. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, I I think that like the only way he stays around, I think, is if we're if we're winning a Big Ten championship, and then it's like, all right, you get one more chance. Um, I think without that, I, I don't see any way that he stays. I agree. And Lime Grover, I love you, man. You're probably a really good person, but it just hasn't worked. All right, that wraps up this week's episode, Maryland Preview. Uh, you guys are listening to this probably Wednesday. Um, let us know what you think. Give us uh, give us your score predictions. I'll tweet that out probably Friday morning. Love to hear what you guys think. Um, let us know what you think about our, our takes on your questions. Keep Keep those questions coming in. Um, oh, I also dropped a poll on Twitter today. I don't know if you saw it. Did you see this one? Did you hear about this one? I did not. Oh, cool. I did so, not. Uh, a lot of people talking about college game day and if we'll get one or not. Uh, our only chance is Michigan. And with Michigan you know, not being as good, um, we're not sure if we'll get one. Also, time of that game is still TBD. Um, but my question was, if we got college game day, who would you want the celebrity guest picker to be? And I made some, made some, uh, some qualifications here. Because there, there's just too many easy, obvious answers. So I said, assuming it's not a former football player, because that, I mean, it would clearly be, I mean, Saquon's rehabbing. He could probably come out <laughs> and do it. True. Uh, assuming it's not Keegan-Michael Key, because he's done so much. And yeah. listen, he's incredible, and I would, I would be perfectly fine if it's him again, but he's done a lot of it. And assuming it's not the Jonas Brothers, because that is the most obvious and correct choice. And if we actually get it, I, I would bet a good amount of money that they are there as long as it works out with their schedule. So I gave a couple options. Do you want to, do you want to just give me your answer? Or do you want to hear the options? No, I need to hear the options. You don't know famous Penn state alums. God, that. Uh, <laughs> so the other options, uh, Ty Burrell, famous for modern family. He uh, did his master's at Penn state. Apparently he lived in a van. Uh, he was only there for a year. Probably doesn't have a lot of strong ties to the school, but maybe he'll come. Not to mention he was in a Nike commercial as an Oregon alum. Yeah, I know. But just saying, listen, I had very limited options, okay? Yeah, yeah. Fair. Uh, next up, Ali Krieger and Alyssa Nair, uh, U.S. Women's World Cup champions, both part okay. of this team, uh, both Penn State soccer alums. Uh, next, Adam McKay, writer-director, uh, best friends with Will Ferrell. He's done Step Brothers, done Talladega Nights, all of those. Um, maybe he'll bring Will Ferrell. That could be cool. And then lastly, Laura Spencer, Good Morning America co-anchor. I, I see the uh, U.S. women's soccer would be yeah. my, my go-to there. Yeah, and that is currently leading the poll with 42% of the 88 votes that have been submitted so far. I, I'll be um, honest, I can't believe anyone else has even gotten a vote. 
Yeah, I actually, yeah, it, like I said, it was hard, like taking four, because like you look at former players, right? Like you would get Todd Blackledge or Franco Harris, or you would get someone in there like just as an easy yeah. pick. So I took them out, uh, took Keegan-Michael Key, took the Jones brothers out. I would love, even even including all those, I would love to see Ali Krieger and Alyssa Nair because they are awesome and badasses, and I love everything the U.S. women's soccer team does when they show up to things. Um, so I would love to see that, but stay tuned to see if we even get one. All that being said, our focus is on Maryland, 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 Maryland. If you're going to the game, wear white, be loud, and uh, let's come away with a big win. Big win. Pat, any last words to the fans? Want to know this week, baby. Want to know this week? We are.